Welcome to the podcast where you get your news and views of the sports world that we live in. And now here's your podcaster, Lige Weichers. Welcome to the Lige Weichers Show. Welcome to Ben Johnson Week. That's right. The Detroit Lions and the LA Chargers, an absolute shootout. And I'm calling this the Ben Johnson Week. Before we jump into recapping the Lions game, it's looking like we're going to have four recaps on the show. We're going to dive into some games and we're going to we're going to jump right into it. First, we're going to go Lions Chargers 41 to 38. Lions win an epic game in LA and beat the Chargers and man, early this game was looking like potentially the Lions could beat a pretty good team pretty easily. Up 17 to 3 and then 24-10, up 14, just needed a couple stops and a couple scores to make this game a comfortable win. But what do you know, down the stretch, the teams start going touchdown for touchdown with each other. And Ben Johnson really starts to show how good his schemes are in offense. We were a little concerned early in the year that the offense wasn't as good. And maybe some of that was to do with playing wind games or outdoors. But they get into the controlled environment in SoFi Stadium and they start to cook. Ben Johnson all of a sudden can't call any plays wrong. Right when the Chargers are thinking run, it's a pass. When the Chargers are thinking pass, it's a run. Man, this was a gutsy game all around from everyone except for the defense. But let's let's jump into the defense after we talk about the positives. And that is, man, this offense looked great. Finally, all the skill position and offensive line was together for the first time all year. All five starting offensive linemen playing. Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, and Sam Laporta all on the field at the same time. And you see an offense absolutely cooking. Jameer Gibbs gets loose early, scores touchdowns. David Montgomery, 75-yard touchdown runs on a play where they didn't even have the right personnel in the game. But it didn't matter. A little audible to a run. And boom, 75-yard touchdown. Jamison Williams, which I said I'm not out on Jamison Williams. And the more I watch him, the more I'm in. This guy's making impact plays and more than just catching the football. And you might say, hey. Lodge, he had two catches. Is this all we're expecting for Jamison Williams, and you're calling this a good game? But hey, I watched the game. Number one, he had a touchdown taken off the board on a pretty weak call. Let's say maybe technically it was a, a foul on Taylor Decker, but it was a weak call for being honest. He throws a big block, the block that springs David Montgomery loose. He catches two balls. One was a tough catch in a, a good spot in and all systems are go for Jamison Williams. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think there's improvement. He played over 50% of snaps. That's big. He's gaining trust. I think things are looking up for Jamison Williams. Goff and him seem to be getting more on the same page. At some point, we have to say, hey, I know he's a first-round pick. We need to hold him to ex- expectations of that, but also be happy when he's helping contributing to winning. I would rather have a guy that's helping win rather than just throwing him out because he wasn't living up to where he was drafted. I want a guy who can play and be helpful, and I think that's what he's growing into. This Gibbs-Montgomery backfield, man, it looked great behind a healthy offensive line. Now, the Chargers' defensive line, man, it looked like they played terrible. Where were Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack all game? Well, they were stymied by Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell, but this run defense, it's weak, I'll be honest, but, man, there was a lot of holes for running backs to run through. The defensive line game pushed five yards off the ball. This looked great. The offensive line, we haven't seen healthy all year, and unfortunately, it might be the last time we see them together all year, but we'll talk about more when we talk about next week's game. Finally, we have to talk about the fourth down call. Dan Campbell being aggressive, plays actually working, and one key to fourth down that people 
fail to understand is it's one thing to go for fourth down, but you have to call good plays on fourth down. You don't just want to go for it and then call a terrible play. And the other issue is it's such a small sample size. When you're picking up to two or three percent in win percentage, that's not a very large percent, especially when it's one or two plays. So to have things go your way, that's nice. Even when it doesn't seem like you should go for it and you're going to fail a decent amount of time, I think the the upside of getting it is almost always worth it to go. Now, fourth and five, a run, a draw, man, I try not to be results-oriented and more on the process. And man, that was a terrible call. Boy, am I glad it worked. But let's not run on fourth and five very much in the future. And fourth and goal, they get stuffed. Next possession, they've got fourth and goal, same spot. Gibbs just barely gets in. This is what I like to see from Campbell. Not being discouraged when it doesn't go for you. And then all the way down to the very end, fourth and two, about a minute and a half left. Not a super long field goal for Riley Patterson, but not something I was super comfortable with. My gut reaction right after they got from third and 14 to fourth and two, I said, go for it. This is your chance to win the game. The defense hasn't been able to stop anyone all game. Your offense has been absolutely cooking. Let's let's give them a shot to win the game because you don't lose the game if you don't get it. That's the thing. Even if you do kick it, the Chargers may just march down the field and win anyways. Dan Campbell's thinking the same way. Even the analytics guys said, hey, this is one of the few times where a coach was more aggressive. The analytics said, maybe kick it there. But they didn't know the flow of the game, what the old coaches loved to say. They didn't know that the Lions defense hadn't given up five straight touchdowns. This is what I like to see from Dan Campbell, combining analytics with game flow in an aggressive manner, going out and playing to win. This is not a game the Lions normally would win. This is not a game that all these old geezers and Lions fans are used to. This is the new Lions. This is a team that wants to win football games, playing aggressive, playing to win, and the offense cooking. But we have to address the defense. The defense was bad all game. The pass rush, it wasn't there. They barely touched Herbert. They didn't sack him. They did hit him a few times, unlike Jared Goff, who didn't even get hit all game. The secondary was very poor. They couldn't stop one guy. All you had to do was stop Keenan Allen, and they couldn't do it. And linebackers were nowhere to be found. I did like when the Chargers ran the ball. They couldn't really run the ball, but they figured out all they had to do was pass. I will give Herbert some credit. He fit in some balls into some really tight windows. It wasn't like there was guys running wide open. Keenan Allen was just open enough on a lot of plays. And man, there was some fourth downs that they converted. There was at one point the Lions had eight straight plays for and goal to go against the Chargers. And they stopped him on the first seven. But unfortunately, the eighth time they did score. Here's one thing I like about the Lions. It would have been easy to to lay down and complain about the refs. There were some questionable calls. Were they legit? Yeah, but there were were a lot of not calls going for the Lions. But what did they do? Instead of complaining, they went back and scored another touchdown. Just what they had to do. The defense continued to fight. No, that's about all they were doing was fighting instead of stopping people. But hey, I think there's room for improvement and Hopefully James Houston comes back eventually to help the defensive line because the secondary is not good enough to hold up if there's not pressure. Now, you have to think they are missing two guys who I was hoping would be starting, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley. So this is a depleted secondary. I don't love to say it, but should have Holmes made a move for some more depth than maybe, but I don't think they're playing terrible. Cam Sutton has his worst game of the year, and how many more times is that going to happen? But that's enough about the Lions. Let's move on to another game. That's right. The Indianapolis Colts were over in Germany against the Patriots in a little sidebar. We took the under in the game, and boy, was it easy. What, 10-6, to the Colts win? The Colts are an odd team. They're good enough to beat the bad teams, but we're all pretty sure they aren't that good. 
So what do we do with them? They're not going to get a good draft pick, but they're not really going to do anything. Maybe they'll make the playoffs, but probably not. An odd situation for the Colts, but I think it offers some hope. Even if you're not getting the good draft pick, you know the team is good enough, and you have Richardson and Steichen. This should be a good combo. The Colts are on by. Continue to develop some guys. Blake Freeland, I, I read something about him this week, and it's easy to be frustrated with him, but being thrown into two different tackle spots, you're a, a later draft pick in your first year. This is valuable experience, and I think he's shown enough to be at least a, a good swing tackle for a team. Maybe not your starting left tackle, franchise left tackle, but a valuable asset to the team, and I think that's a win. Now, since we're recording on Friday, we can look back on the Thursday night game. The Bengals and the Ravens played. Everyone was expecting this AFC North showdown, and it was a showdown, but unfortunately, injuries are what's taken away from this game. Mark Andrews out for the year. Joe Burrow out for the year. Man, what a what a rough run for the AFC North, losing Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow for the rest of the year. Are the Steelers really going to sneak their way into the playoffs? That Ravens defense, I think, will carry them, and you would have to imagine Lamar keeps the offense going. I'm not sure how far they can go, but they do seem to be one of the best teams in the AFC, really, especially with the AFC North now right in their hands with, I would say, without a lot of competition anymore to really win the division. But it does just suck to see that when the star players go out with injury, I love to see these quarterbacks play, especially in big games. So with quarterbacks going down, we're getting even more backup quarterbacks playing this year. You hate to see that because there is some bad quarterback player on the league. Finally, we got to talk about the Michigan-Penn State game. Last week, we talked about a chance for a statement, a true Michigan-against-everyone situation where the whole world hates Michigan. The NCAA is against Michigan. Big Ten's against Michigan. Penn State's against Michigan. Everyone's against Michigan. And what do you know? They showed up. It was a little rocky in the first half, kind of like I thought it would be, and that they would pull away in the second half. And, man, the defense was cooking. And there was a point about halfway through the second quarter where, Michigan just decided to start running the football. Then they ran a little more, and then they went run, 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 defensive pass interference, run, run, run. And just when you thought the play action was coming, they went run, 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 and they ran the timeout, and the game was over. And it was a pretty dominating win by Michigan. Now there's pros and cons to this kind of a win. You have some people saying, well, Michigan can no longer compete because we know they can't throw the ball. I'm not sure I buy that. I mean, the pro is all they had to do was run dive the whole game and they won. Imagine what happens when they actually use other parts of their offense, maybe even using the forward pass. This team could be elite. They can beat a top 10 team by just running the ball. I think this week against Maryland, I'm not too worried. There's always the classic trap game, the game before Ohio State, that Michigan seems to struggle. I'm not sure they covered the 19 and a half, but they'll get the win. They'll get the job done setting up the game of the year, the game, shoot, maybe of the decade. Michigan, Ohio State for all the marbles at the big house. Man, I'm looking forward to that game. It's going to be a fun show next week previewing that game. Also, we got Lions-Bears. Only the second divisional game for the Lions. This is kind of odd. They haven't played that many division games. They've had a pretty easy schedule, and it doesn't appear to get any more difficult. I am worried about this game, though. Justin Fields is back, and what is the one thing the Lions always struggle with? Mobile quarterbacks. Justin Fields may rush for 200 yards. I'm not concerned about this game, but divisional games are always a little bit more difficult than easy teams from AFC, other divisions. The Bears, I don't think they've been as terrible as people think. Justin Fields could run wild. They have some talent on the outside with DJ Moore. We've seen that the Lions don't have the best defense, and 
Are they going to show up against the Bears? This rushing attack, they have a good rush defense, but I'm just worried about the scrambling ability of field. Now, the ace in the back pocket is always the offense. If the offense just scores on every possession, they shouldn't lose, right? Especially in Ford Field, the offense should cook, and honestly, I see a high-scoring game. Last week, Elijah's lock was the under in the Colts game, and it won. This week, we're going to the Lions-Bears game. We're taking the over 48. I know it's a high over-under, but I see the Lions putting up 30-plus, and I don't see this defense holding the, the Bears to under 14, 35-24 maybe range. The spread has dropped from Lions as a 10-point favorite down to 7.5. I'm not really sure the issue. Maybe it's Jonah Jackson could have left guard. No, he couldn't move the spread that much, but... That is frustrating to me. Not only Jonah Jackson out, didn't practice all week. Vitae got placed on likely season-ending IR. Man, you just can't keep this offensive line healthy. It's been so good this year when they are healthy. But the good news is Ragnar looks like he is going to play. So left guard's going to be either Awashika or maybe Colby Sorestal. I don't love either of those options. Luckily, it's a guard. But Jonah Jackson seems to make a pretty big difference, especially in the run game. Hopefully this offensive line is healthy for the stretch run. That's all I can ask for. Because other than that, they are pretty healthy. James Houston, maybe C.J. Gardner-Johnson back at the very end of the year. Things could be looking up. I just hope the offensive line can hold it together. That's all I got for this week. Next week, we'll be back with an earlier show. We got Thanksgiving games to cover. We have Michigan, Ohio State. We have one of the bigger shows of the year, I would call it. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at the Lige Wager Show. Make sure you rate and review the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll talk next week.